It's Weekend Update, Summer Edition, with Colin Jost and Michael Che. Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. This week, we'll be discussing the second episode of Saturday Night Live's Weekend Update Summer Edition with Colin Jost and Michael Che. I'm John Murray, and with me as always is Steve Finn. Steve is the host of Transparency on CHMR 93.5 FM in St. John's, Newfoundland. You can connect with Steve on Facebook at Transparency CHMR, and you can connect with us at snlafterparty.fm. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider leaving us a review on iTunes. These reviews help us to get the word out, and they're greatly appreciated. All right, so let's just jump right in. Let's talk about the opening salvo. This week, they are back to their five-day schedule, so everything that we're going to be seeing from here on out has been cobbled together with just the week's news as their their basis. What I want to know is, do you feel like they managed to recapture the energy and the enthusiasm that they had last week? Did you feel like their opening run was as strong as the premiere episode, or do you feel like we're getting back into typical weekend update territory? You know what? It was still solid. Mm-hmm. I thought it was um, every bit as acceptable as, as last week's run. Maybe it wasn't as polished or maybe they had a little bit more time to think about what they were going to bring to the table in the weeks leading up to last week. But this is up there in, in quality um, along with the first run. So I'm happy with what we got. Yep. I was happy with it too. I was really kind of scrutinizing it maybe a little more than I typically would for weekend update, just because I felt like they set the bar so high last week, I was really kind of sensitive to trying to see if they felt as poised and as polished. And if they just kind of had the the delivery and the energy that they had last week. And I felt like this was a small step back. I still thought it was a win overall, but I felt like it was a bit more fumbly. I think uh, right in the middle of it, Che had a, uh, a couple situations where he trampled on some of Joe's material a little bit. And so I just, I felt like it just wasn't quite what we got last week, but I still thought this was very serviceable, a very good way to start the show. The other part of it being they had a lot heavier material because of, you know, the topics that they were covering this week. It's a little bit harder to find the funny and, and be as enthusiastic, kind of like what Chase says, you know, I don't even want to be doing this. Yeah, that was perfect. Yeah. But it shows that they had a different energy this week, just because of the nature of the news cycle that they were in the midst of. And just the fact that you can't always be fresh and focused like you can be on the first episode. It it definitely wasn't quite what we had last week, but I felt it was perfectly good, perfectly serviceable. Yeah. And I think it was the appropriate energy for, like Chase said, we have these old timey threats <laughs> yeah. to be dealing with. So, you know, I kind of relate to his hesitation to even bring it up. Sure. It's tougher material. It's tougher material. And so, yeah, I can understand why Che would actually make a joke about how unenthusiastic he is about having to go back down this road of all the, you know, racist stuff that seems to be just an unending cavalcade of stupidity through the news cycle. I I get it. Uh, I just don't know if it makes for quite as fun an outing as last week, but we're going to get more into that because obviously a lot of their features touch on this topic too. So we're going to have a a lot to discuss with regard to, you know, the, the latest news and how that all figures into the show. Let's not belabor the point. Let's talk about our first feature. Jimmy Fallon and Seth Meyers come out as George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, and they are at the desk to defend their monuments and their place in history, despite possibly a few black marks on their record. No pun intended. Good old Wash and Jeff. Yeah. So what do we think? I thought it was great. I think Jimmy had a fun characterization that he developed for George Washington. He was very much late age millennial, um, <laughs> yeah. spoken, uh, 
you know, the parlance of our times, not so much someone from 1776. Right. When Jimmy came out, my first thought was, oh, okay, well, this is kind of easy, right? It's okay. Jimmy Fallon, great instant applause, but is there going to be anything really memorable about it? And I wasn't a hundred percent one over on the sketch until Seth Meyers showed up and then their back and forth. I felt really was, it was firing. And I thought that that really made the material better. Yeah. They've always had good chemistry despite being uh, quite different. Yep. They, they mesh really well. And I guess it's, you know, the extent of the history they have together. Yep. I thought it was particularly charming that they channeled Polly Shore there a little bit in their back and forth. You know, they do the little, uh, like the, the finger thing where they're, they're going <laughs> weasel. Uh, that was uh, for any children of the nineties, that was a Polly Shore thing. If anyone knows who Polly Shore is anymore, <laughs> but anyways, I, I felt that that was, that was charming and, and kind of a nod to my generation. So I thought that was, that was fun. So let's get into our second feature. Keenan Thompson as Neil deGrasse Tyson, and he really loves solar eclipses. What'd you think? I was enjoying this. Mm-hmm. This was fun to me. Um, Keenan, of course, I will rarely say anything bad about the guy. You know, he's, he's one of the best mm-hmm. and he, he makes it look effortless. Um, he'll always be one of my heroes. <laughs> it's quite similar to the perverted little elves <laughs> that Keenan and yes. uh, Vanessa used to do. Well, that makes sense because we've never had a version of Neil deGrasse Tyson where it's all about his, uh, his solar sexual fetish, right? Like <laughs> yeah. because he's a little kinky in this feature, it totally overlaps with what Keenan does with the elves. You're absolutely right. Like I think that's one of his type characters that he can kind of, uh, reuse and repurpose for different characters. Right. So, yeah. Good, good call on that. Yeah. It's similar in voice, but also similar in like that, that quivering anticipation, <laughs> yes. that, that bubbling excitement. <laughs> it's so much fun to watch. It was fun. It's a fun character. I enjoyed seeing what Keenan was able to do with it. And uh, yeah, so far, so good. The show has been pretty even keeled so far, but we're not done yet. Next, we are going to get into kind of the uh, social meat of the episode, so to speak. We get University of Virginia graduate Tina Fey stopping by to discuss the recent events in Charlottesville. People are complaining about this this piece because Tina Fey seems to be suggesting complacency, kind of giving up. And that is what she's saying, but I think she's saying it kind of as a joke, just as a way to convey the frustration people have. Right. Yeah. I think people are being a little bit too literal when they when they trash this piece and they say it's tone deaf. Sure. I, I think they're just taking it too serious. And, and for what it's worth, I think she brilliantly took it down an avenue that I could go with her and, and laugh at this this heavy stuff. Okay. You know, from here on out, I think I'm just going to have like one boilerplate statement. Anytime there's one of these non-controversy internet rage fests over some trivial, stupid thing, uh, people, it's a joke. It's a comedy show. This is not news. This is not something to make headlines out of. It's a joke. Chill, bro. Yeah. So, uh, I want to look at it first and foremost as a piece of comedy. So I think my question to you is before I give my opinion is, if we separate the social societal, whatever the import of it is, as far as the message, if we separate that out and we just look at it as three minutes of comedy, do you feel like this worked just as comedy? Was this a fun outing with Tina Fey? It was a fun outing. Okay. I wouldn't place it at the number one spot of all of her appearances. Sure. It kind of withered in the middle. Like it, it was strained a little bit mm-hmm. and it was kind of hard to understand what she was saying through the mouthfuls of cake at times. But 
from start to finish, you know, I think there was some laugh out loud moments. I was enjoying the ride. Okay. I don't, well, I kind of disagree with you. I kind of don't like, I felt like it was a mixed bag for some of the same reasons that you mentioned, which is trying to deliver these zingers with a mouthful of cake and just kind of having to frustrate your rhythm by chewing or having to, you know, wait for (laughs) whatever, just dealing with the cake as a prop makes it difficult to deliver the comedy in a satisfying way. So I felt like, you know, that was a bit of a problem. There is a way to do it where you kind of fake eat and you just kind of mash it up. And she was doing that a little bit, but she also wanted to get messy, like get it on her face and, and really kind of sell her eating her feelings. So she went a little overboard and probably just couldn't help herself. There was cake in front of her. She's Tina Fey. So she had to eat some of it. So because of that, it was a little awkward in the middle. But the the thing for me was I... As much as I love Tina Fey, and I really hate to say it because she is a, a hero of mine. She, <laughs> we we could go on for hours about just how distinguished her career is and how unique her voice is, and just how wonderful it is that she's been able to produce some of the comedy that she's been able to produce. Uh, I love Tina Fey, but I felt like there were some things that were sort of like needlessly divisive in it, and maybe some pot shots that maybe just didn't need to be part of it. And it just felt a little cheap at moments. Um, I like the idea of eating your feelings. And I like the idea of this world is just so crazy that we kind of just want to retreat. I I get that. And I thought that a lot of the jokes that she made, uh, a lot of them were really strong. I just felt like for every really strong joke, like when it comes right down to it, a uh, drag queen is still just a six foot four black man. Uh, Like for every (laughs) one of those really good uh, moments where she just delivered it stunningly and, and it just really played well. I felt like there were some things that were just, just didn't need to be part of it. So for me, a mixed bag, I love Tina. I applaud that she even tried to tackle this material and was willing to show up and take on something that she must've known was going to stir up a little bit of controversy. I applaud that. I just felt a little bit uncomfortable with the piece on the whole. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so for what it was, because this particular episode obviously had the week's events sort of weighing it down and being the primary focus of the kind of the tone of the show overall, do you think that the show made as good a use as they possibly could of these particular topics? Or do you feel like maybe uh, maybe they misfired on trying to cover this week's events? You put this subject matter in the hands of an amateur, you might get something that pisses off way more people than sure <laughs> the few tumblerinas that got up in arms about uh, what Tina was supposedly suggesting with this. Fair point. Fair point. There's not many ways you can, you can talk about uh, neo-Nazis and hmm. terrorist attacks and, you know, keep it lighthearted and keep people laughing. So that is a true sign of professionalism, I think. Sure. Yeah. Is it the best way? If it's not, then I couldn't tell you what is, man. Yeah. I think that's a very fair assessment looking at Jostin Che's material in their part of the show and looking at Tina's stuff. And then even, you know, a little bit with uh, Jimmy and Seth, the undercurrent of all of them was this particular topic and, and last week's events. I feel like they were all really good runs at the material. I think some were more successful than others, but like you, I agree that if you're going to embrace this as a topic for your show and you're going to do your best to, find ways into it, humorous ways into it. I think this was a really solid try and I think it worked more often than it didn't work. And I think that that's <laughs> sometimes that's the best you can, can hope for. It's going to strike chords one way or another. And, uh, 
I'm glad that I walked away from the show feeling overall that the show was a win considering how much they mined this particular topic. But let's not trample over all our ratings. Let's talk about moment of the night. My moment of the night came from Tina. I don't know why, but that, uh, that joke about Donald John Trump, <laughs> okay. you know, Donnie John. Yeah. And she kept calling it back too. every time she referred to him, it was another corruption of his name. Yeah. Yeah. But for my moment, I think it's, um, when she mentions that he can get away with it because he's gorgeous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because you know, nobody thinks that. Right. And I don't know. She just, she had such a sincerity in saying it and, and it was over so quick. Like yep. you could feel that pause before the audience actually catches up and, and laughs at it. Yeah. And I thought that was just a solid moment. Absolutely. One of Tina Fey's strengths is as a writer where she can figure out how to very efficiently structure a joke so that it has that little punctuated moment where she can really hit the audience with it. And she knows how to take a joke like that and make it land. And this is a a good example of Tina Fey at her best. This is classic Tina Fey on display. And yes, good joke, well-received by the audience. So yeah, I applauded. I thought that was a really good moment too. For me, I'm going to give it to in the Jimmy Fallon part where he's George Washington the moment where he turns and starts trying to deflect onto Thomas Jefferson and immediately Seth Myers is now beside him to defend his honor. I felt like when that happened, that part became a lot more exciting and a lot more enjoyable and their back and forth made that material way better than it would have been if they just leaned entirely on Fallon to carry that feature. So when that happened, I was grinning and then the reward of how the rest of it played out and how much fun they had back and forth. I felt really justified my excitement when Seth Meyers showed up. Um, we don't see him in character at the desk kind of like that. We didn't see much of it when he was on the show. So it's a rare treat and it was special. And I felt like him and Jimmy really played off each other. Well, so that was a nice little line in the sand where that feature really started to get good. So I like that. That's my moment. Good pick. Yeah. Yeah. I thought so. Best overall feature. My favorite feature was, um, yeah, that same one. It was uh, Jimmy and Seth doing George Washington and Tom Jefferson. Yep. I thought it was just so fun and it utilized the the strengths of both guys. And maybe it's just nostalgia talking. <laughs> like I always enjoy seeing former weekend update anchors come back to the desk. Yeah. In fact, that's pretty much everybody involved with this episode except for Keenan. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. Uh I think they made some good calls in the characterization of both of them. And mm-hmm. the way they played off each other was, was masterful. Absolutely. I agree. It's getting my feature of the night as well. For me, it's because of the three different sections of the show where they tried to hit the uh, race issues. I think this is the one that was the most successful at finding a lot of funny in it. Tina Fey had good, like jokes, good zingers throughout her part. But this is the one where I think just conceptually they found the funnest way into the material and were able to have the most fun with it overall. I think this was a very dense part for the amount of jokes that they were able to get without making you feel like you have to dwell on the really dark aspects of what's really going on in the world. This was a goofy, charming, fun uh, run at <laughs> racial topics. And, uh, it was, it was the one that, yeah, just had me grinning the most. And so I think it's maybe a little smarter than we realize how hard it is to find fun ways to run at that material. I think they, they really got something special with this one. So I liked it. Yeah. I liked it a lot. MVP. I'm giving the MVP to Tina. Okay. I mean, she carried her bit on her own and you could assume that she wrote it herself, performed it herself. Mm-hmm. So all of that is attributed to Tina and 
you know, I think she knocked it out of the park. She handled herself well with such sensitive material. Um, I feel like I should stand by her with all the controversy and, you know, just make it clear that I have no problems with, with what she said. And it was just all in the, for the sake of comedy. Sure. And, you know, even if, if what she was saying wasn't exactly the message she wanted to convey, you know, the, the frustration was there. And I think that she conveyed all that perfectly. I think that's very fair. Yeah. I'm going to give it to her too. Even though I thought that her part overall was kind of a mixed bag and there were parts of it that I wasn't a hundred percent comfortable with. I have to applaud her willingness to show up and take a run at that material. I think that it's difficult to find good material with the the best of topics, how much more so with the worst of topics. And she's not on contract at the show. She doesn't have to show up. She's just doing it because this is either important to her or just supporting the show is important to her. She rallied for whatever reason. She said, yeah, I'll set aside some time this week and I'll try and find something worthy of the show and show up and give it my best and get covered in cake in the process. And I applaud that. She's, <laughs> she's an awesome lady and uh, I have to applaud it. Even if I didn't love it, I have to applaud it. So she gets my MVP too. She's a super lady. She really is on a scale of classic, great, decent week or train wreck. How would you rate this episode? I guess we're just going to change that middle one. Every cast. Now it's going to be good. It's going to be decent. It's going to be typical. It'll just be a revolving door of euphemisms. <laughs> it would still be good, except you, you made it clear last week that you felt like the valley between the word good and weak was too vast and didn't allow you to necessarily convey something that was just marginally good. And so I'm trying to find a word that, you know, hits that a little bit better. So we're, we're this week we're trying decent for better or worse. We're going to give that a shot. See if it feels right. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a decent if that's what we're calling it this week. Sure. I think I called the last one. Great. It was a little bit more solid. Uh, I guess it was just, you know, doing this job on easy mode compared to this week because mm -hmm. last week it wasn't, uh, wasn't as much a, a downer yeah. of, of events happening. And, um, plus everybody was so much more fresh coming in and right. probably had a lot of ideas they were mulling over, um, in the summer months. So that kind of showed in the first episode, there wasn't anything wrong with this one, but I don't think it deserves a great, like the last one did. So I think decent's appropriate. I agree. It was definitely a decent episode. Last week had a lot of advantages, like you said. Uh, it was just a, a more upbeat show because they had more upbeat things to work with and, and a few less constraints on them. So if we're going to compare them, last week's was a superior offering just for how much fun I had with it, at least. But this one was not a weak show by any account. Like They obviously put their best foot forward and did the best show they could with the week that they had handed to them. And I think it was a very decent episode that they came up with. So I'm going to I'm gonna land there as well. I think that's really fair. Yeah. Oh, uh, one other thing before we sign off. Katie Rich is back in the credits. I did notice that. Yeah. I wanted to mention that last week. And I totally forgot. Uh, I'm really happy about that. I, I think it's, it was really a shame when all of that played out the way it did. And I think it's ridiculous that anyone would uh, have their career permanently devastated over some, you know, ill thought out joke. I've always found SNL to be rather forgiving as time goes on with things <laughs> like that. Sure. I mean, look at Elvis Costello. You know, he was banned from the show. They let bygones be bygones. Mm -hmm. We still see Chevy Chase show up now and then, even though he's been banned from hosting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So most people are probably already forgotten 
what happened with the whole Katie Rich thing. People move on so quickly from stuff like that. Like it doesn't even leave a dent in their memory. Yep. It's uh, just like Chase said, take down all the monuments until everybody moves on. And then we can just subtly bring it back like the Cosby show. So uh, <laughs> it's back. Yeah. Katie Rich. Uh, <laughs> hopefully the world's moved on and uh, no one will notice <laughs> and life can go on and, and uh, business as usual at the show. Uh, I wonder if that was her joke, because if it was that, that would be a smart little bit of meta self-indulgence yeah. <laughs> that would be very applicable to her situation. So I don't know if she had anything to do with that joke. Hopefully she's grinning that it made it to air one way or another. I'm happy that she's back and uh, it just bodes well for season 43. We want all hands on deck. We want the best show we can get. And I don't think anyone should be sacked over some silly tweet that just in the final equation really means nothing. With that said, that's a cast. Thanks as always to Steve Finn. You can connect with Steve on Facebook at Transparency CHMR. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Our Patreon patrons get early ad-free access to each new podcast episode, as well as many other exclusive member rewards. You can learn more about all the ways you can support the cast at SNLAfterParty.fm. We'll be back next week to discuss SNL's third installment of Weekend Update Summer Edition. This has been episode number 26 of the Saturday Night Live After Party podcast. I'm John Murray. Good night and have a pleasant tomorrow. Thank you, guys. Thank you all very much. And thanks to Jimmy for stopping by, Seth, Tina, Keenan, as always. Thank you guys so much for watching tonight. Yeah, it's obviously a very tough week to do comedy. So thank you for coming and laughing with us. Weekend update on Michael Che. I'm Colin Jost. Good night. heart to see these evil forces descend upon Charlottesville and then our president, Donald John Trump, which I don't think people talk enough about what a stupid jackass name that is. It does not flow. Donald John, whatever, he gets away with it because he's gorgeous. Anyway, anyway, Donnie John comes out and he says uh, that he condemns violence on many sides, on many sides.